We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The believer can now look into the face of God with great confidence in whatever comes our way. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. The Bible says that the road to destruction is wide, and there's many that that go that way. And the road to life is narrow, and there's only a few that go that way. Why is that? Because being a Christian means that we have all have to do what? We have to deny ourselves. We have to humble ourselves before God. God says, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And what did I have to do when I came to know Christ? I had to humble myself. I had to say, I have sinned. Oh, God, have mercy on me. I had to recognize my place and my position. Maybe you came to Christ in some other way. Well, maybe you didn't come the right way. Because when we come to Christ, it's acknowledging who we are. I have sinned. There's no conceivable way I could get to heaven outside of Christ. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have to confess our sin. The word confess means we have to agree with God. I am the dirty rat. I have done things that are wrong. And we have to be willing to submit ourselves to him in every aspect of life. The Bible says, if you wish to come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. Because if you don't, you will lose your life. I wonder if that's happened in your life. Because that's what happened to James, the physical half-brother of Jesus. He had to humble himself. He had to come to the point where, hey, listen, it doesn't matter if I was born out of the same womb. I need you as my Savior. Oh, forgive me. We are to become slaves by our own free will to him. And for those who might think, ah, wait a second, Pastor, you're going off the deep end here. I would never be a slave to anybody or anything. Well, let's just say, maybe not so much. I would say everybody is already a slave to something. You are a slave already because everybody sins. And the Bible says that if we have sinned, then we have become a slave to that sin. The Bible says in 2 Peter 2.19, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For what a man is overcome with, by that he is enslaved. So your own life, your own life, what you watch, what you do, what you approve of others doing that might be wrong, 
whatever vice that you've come under. Maybe you're a gossiper. Maybe it's some kind of alcohol, drugs. Maybe you watch things that you shouldn't be watching. All of these things, it's like we are all subject to something in sin. See, when I was a heathen dog, it's like I didn't think I had any problems with anything. It's like I could stop anything that I wanted to at any time. It's not until you try to stop something that you realize that you are actually a slave to that thing. See, when you're just in sin and you're just doing everything, it's like you don't think there's any problem with anything. Try stopping doing what you're doing. Try taking some of the vices that you have and just saying, I'm going to quit cold turkey. Try to like never gossip about someone. Look, I don't gossip. Oh, really? People talking, hey, what about Joe Blow over there? What an idiot. Yeah, you're right. He's a bonehead. You know, it's like, you know, you just, there's so many things that we do that we don't even think that it's wrong. And like, oh, it's wrong. It's like, never think a bad thought towards someone. But where'd you get your license? Kmart, blue light special? Like, who, who lets you drive on the road? Okay, it's like all of these things, we will be judged for everything and not just the item, but the motive, what we were thinking behind it. We are so guilty. When you start looking at our life compared to what true holiness is, you realize how far and how wide the gap is between the two. And for those that are trying to wrap your mind around this mentality of being a slave by your own free will and desire, know this, it's not a slave that's being the problem. Because if you're a slave and God's the slave master, Of course you want to be his slave. Yes, Lord, whatever you want. Absolutely, because he is so loving. He's so kind. He's so generous. It's like, oh, my goodness. And every place that you see the word servant, almost every single place in the Bible where you see the word servant, it's the... It's the Greek word doulois. So it's really a slave. So slave and servant is kind of the same thing. So you know, if you're totally up in arms with the word slave because it's so, you know, oh my goodness, it's just like the, the 21st century wrong word to say. But it's like a yeah, servant, it's by doing whatever the other wants you to do. And when we come to Christ, we have to have that mentality of servanthood where he is the Lord. But again, you know, if there's any, if there's some kind of vice in your life that's out of a control area that continues to raise its ugly head in your life, which all of us have that area, one or two areas, you will be a slave of that thing. That's why we are in such desperate need as humanity for a savior, because we all need a savior. For when we become the slave of Christ, He brings us victory over the life of sin and death. Yes, when we become the slaves of the one who hung, bled, and died for our sins on the cross, that now enables us to embrace freedom from the things that once held control over us. Meaning, before Christ, I I just did everything that was wrong. But in Christ now, I don't have to do the things that are wrong. It's like, before I just did them because I'm just a sinner. But now, in Christ, I can have the ability to have freedom over those things that used to control my life. So, God's asking us to become bond slaves, bond servants, doulois, slaves by our own free will and desire. And what did Jesus do? He became a bond servant, a slave. Let's remember, he was God in glory, came down to the earth and lived in submission all the way to the point of the cross and dying for us. So Jesus never asked us to do anything that he didn't already do himself. And who did James write this letter to? 
He wrote it to the Jews who were being dispersed out of Jerusalem. Those who left Israel, those who were driven out because of the heavy persecution against the church. This letter was written by a born-again Christian, James. He had become born again. He received Christ in his heart as his Savior. He was a believing Jew. James was what you would call a Messianic Jew, a Jew who embraced Jesus as his Messiah and Savior. That means that he is writing to all who believe in Jesus. For there is now no difference, there's no distinction now between a Jew and a non-Jew, a Jew and a Greek or Gentile. The Bible says in Galatians 3.28 that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, non-Jew. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And now James addresses this one area of reality that causes us all to ask the question, why? Why do we have so many trials and hardships in life? Hey, that's a good question. How many people have you heard say, hey, man, when I get to heaven, I got a bone to pick with God. I didn't like the path that I had to go down in this life. Why do bad things happen to good people? People will ask. Some people have a good nature and everything, but we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not really anyone that's good because if you go back to Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit that they were not supposed to eat of. They have a sin nature that came upon them. Every human being is born with a sin nature. Going back to the toddler, if you have children, you know that there's a little nastiness in every one of those little cute little bundles of joy. Okay, and so all of this, so there's a sin nature in all of us. So, but we know what we say when we say that. There are some people that live good lives. And let's just talk about Christians now. Let's talk about serious Christians. Let's talk about people that claim to know Christ as their Savior. They go to church. Man, they try not to lie, cheat, or steal. You know, they don't cuss. They don't drink. They don't, and it's like, why do bad things happen to them? Aren't they kind of doing everything right? Because that's what we're talking about here right now. Because this book was written to Christians. And so why are these trials happening to Christians? That's the question. Why? And if you're a believer, you might say, yeah, why is this happening to me? Why this? Why me? Why now? It's a much asked question. Well, verse two, it says to you, to the believer, he says, consider it all joy when we fall and encounter various trials. What? Count it all joy? Well, first, let's look at what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we rejoice in trials. Yes, I was at the oh, Grand Canyon and I, I parked my car. I forgot to put the emergency brake on. I looked back, it was rolling back, and it right over the cliff, and there it went, 1,500 feet, kaboom. Thank you, Jesus. I rejoice. I considered all joy that my car is blown up. No, that's not what it means, okay? So let's just get past that. But what it does mean is this. The believer can now look into the face of God with great confidence in whatever comes our way. No matter what trial, no matter what hardship, no matter what harsh and cruel thing happens to me, 
and know that somehow, some way, God is going to work in that thing for a greater purpose in my life. That's what it means. We can rejoice and know that somehow, some way, God's going to work in this thing. He's going to work a purpose that could not be worked out, listen, any other way. For one day we'll learn it was all in the making of a man or woman of God. Every hardship, every difficulty that you go through, it's all in the making of the man or woman of God. So the trials and the hardships that we're talking about here are not the direct result of sin. We're not talking about those hardships, okay? See, some might say, man, I'm really going through it. Really? Oh, yeah, man, I'm getting beat down. Man, my trials are so heavy right now. Well, what's going on? I just got another speeding ticket. Uh, That's not a trial. That's all because of Mr. Leadfoot, okay? Okay, so that's something that you brought on yourself. So we're not talking about trials that are brought on because of your personal sin. Today, we're just talking about the areas that are out of our control. Like, man, all of a sudden, just something dropped on me. I didn't anticipate this happening. My car got ripped off. My house got broke into. This happened. That happened. A loved one. Yeah, we didn't ask for none of these things, but we're going through them. Again, a sudden loss of a loved one. Uh, You lost your job. You, You didn't see it coming. Your marriage is on the rocks. The crushing news of some kind of devastation that was totally unexpected. It's in those times that we are to look up. Why? Well, for many reasons. Number one, because though we do not know what tomorrow has in store for us, we as believers know who holds tomorrow. Our God holds tomorrow. Nothing could happen to us outside of what his will is for our life. And number two, even when the severe difficulties of life do come and they take our breath away, those things that can devastate us and shock us, that's when we as believers need to grasp that though whatever difficulties can arise in this life, God can work in those heartaches to make us, to mold us into who he desires us to become. Understand, if we were to remove every difficult time, everything that you've had to endure in your life up to this point, you would no longer be who you are today. You just wouldn't be the person. Like, what if my parents didn't get a divorce when I was 16? What if I didn't get a girl pregnant in high school? What if I didn't turn into drugs and all this and become a a, a borderline teenage alcoholic? What, What if all of that stuff didn't happen? Because, see, it was all of those things that drove me to Christ. Because when I turned 18, I felt like I had to reach up to touch the bottom. So what if none of that would have happened? What if my parents would have stayed together? What if my dad would have never quit his union job because he was making killer money? What if we just had tons of money? What if on my 16th birthday, instead of being kicked out on my own, I was like, here, we just bought you a brand new Mustang. What if I would have never came to Christ? What if my life was just all, I lived on a golden platter? What if? See, it was through the hardships and difficulties that I was thrust into is what drove me to Christ. I'm sure that many of us here would rather go through life pain-free, wouldn't we? I mean, wouldn't you like to have a pain-free and trial-free life? And let's not forget that day will come for every believer. Let us not forget that that day of being pain-free and trial-free life 
It is coming for us one day in heaven. We will all live without any hardship, no more calamity. And for how long? Eternity. How about that? Millions of years of no hardship. But while we're here on this earth, on this side of heaven, it will never be heaven on earth. It's only going to be heaven in heaven. And on earth, there's always going to be something that turns sour. Yes, in God's infinite and divine wisdom, he allows us to encounter various trials. He doesn't make the trials. Again, they're a product of this fallen world of where sin has infested in, inside of every man and woman. We've all sinned. Okay, so, so when things happen, it's a product of this fallen world. There was no cancer in the Garden of Eden. There was no heart attacks and all of this. It's like, oh, Eve, where are you? Oh, she dropped dead. She had a heart attack. No, like, no, none of that stuff happened. It's all a product of sin and walking away from God. What has this world done ever since the beginning? Cast God away. Look at the United States. I'm not talking about you individually, but look at the United States. Look at the laws that we make. It's completely anti-God. Everything that we're going, completely anti what the Bible teaches. Okay, so it's like, so the whole world has done this. We have abandoned the God, our creator himself. So we are a product of this fallen world, a world that has long abandoned God. But for us who believe, God will never leave us or forsake us. He will stand strong on our behalf. And as we pass through the fires of this life, we have never come to the place where we have to fall into the despair of the pits of this life. No matter what pit we fall into, we don't have to fall into the despair of that pit. What we are to do when we're going through difficult times, we should keep a diary of the comfort that he gives us on a daily basis. Make sure that you're taking really good notes. Ponder the height and the depth of the pain that you're enduring and the comfort that he so richly supplies during that pain. Remember how he turned your miseries into his mercies. Why? So that we can take what we have learned in the darkest moments of our lives and we can share them with others that are traveling down the very path of pain that we've been on. That's why he allows it, so that you can be an encouragement to someone else. Because there's people that are walking in despair. They've walked down the same desert of heartache that you've had to walk down. Verse 4 tells us we're to have endurance. You as believers, me as a believer, we're to endure. We're to have a staying power. That's a spiritual toughness as a Christian that we may be perfect and complete, it says, lacking nothing lacking nothing yes god will prune us god will refine us in the fires of life only to reflect his image in and through us so the bible tells us in john 15 that he prunes those who he loves so if you're being pruned you're being trimmed back it's like why is he pruning you so that you produce more fruit, that you grow into a fuller life. It doesn't make sense while it's happening, I'll tell you that. But it does make sense in the end. Let's see what he says here in verse 5. Verse 5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him. 
it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea is driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Wow. Now, we remember that these verses are in the context of the previous verses, right? So, on various trials of life. So we're talking about the various trials of life. So if you're lacking wisdom in what? The various trials of life, the wisdom of why we are being bombarded with these hardships, the Bible says to what? Ask. You ask the Lord. Notice verse 5 ends with the promise of wisdom being given. I wonder if there's anything or anyone here today that you're not getting the point. Like you're, you keep having the, the hardship, the trial, because God is trying to teach you something, but you're not learning a lesson. So it's like you come out of the one trial, and God's like, well, I got to send you right back into another one because see, I'm trying to get something through to you. You're not learning a lesson. So we're going to go back in again and back again. And you think like, you know, God's got all kinds of time. And it's just like, okay, another trial. Another trial. Until we learn what he wants us to learn. He, God's trying to get your attention. I wonder if you're avoiding what the real issue is. Well, we're told in verse 6 to pray in faith about it when doubting. It's like, and praying in faith means, uh, that's praying without doubting. Praying in faith means you believe God. But it's not enough just to believe God. You must believe that you believe God. You got to believe that you really believe him, okay? We must believe that God has a purpose in everything that's happening. Lord, what is the purpose? Instead of complaining, Lord, what's the purpose? What am I not seeing here? God, give me wisdom. See, when you come in honesty, God is going to answer that prayer. But we must examine ourselves. We have to scrutinize how we're living, not half-heartedly, that will leave us being double-minded and unstable in all of our ways. That terminology depicts a man or a woman that is torn between following the Lord or following the world. Well, the, everyone's doing this. I'm just going to do what everyone else does. I mean, look, that's how everyone else lives. I mean, it's like we finance everything with this. You have credit cards. We just pay the minimum amount, and that's how everyone lives. That's how my parents live. It's like, but not you. You are called to a higher calling. It's the person who says they believe, but yet they don't do anything that God says. And they fail to trust God when the trials come. Verse 7 says that person will receive nothing. It's been said in times past that Christians are like tea bags. You don't know what they're made of until they're put in the hot water. You don't know what they're made of. Yes, we must seek the source of every trial. God, is there something in my life that you're trying to illuminate me and I'm just not getting it? How can I become more of what you want me to be? See, that's what James is getting to the core of the matter. He's poking you where you don't want to be poked right now because he's like, I want you to grow out of this and mature in your faith. Let's read what he goes on to say in verse 9. He says, But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position. So if you're poor, you don't have anything, hey, you know what? 
you got humble circumstances, you glory in your high position in Christ. And let the rich man glory in his humiliation. Humble yourself before God. Because like the flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and the flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. But blessed or happy is the man or the woman who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Wow, that's a lot right there in that text. Notice how verse 9 to 11 informs us of the obvious. Everyone, whether you're poor or rich, are going to face trials. Trials are the great equalizer in life. From the average person to the rich and famous, we all have to be dependent on the Lord for his deliverance when the bottom falls out. Know this, no fame or fortune can save anyone from hardship. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789 Los Angeles, California 90034. 